pleased to be here this afternoon with Carl Regillo, Director of the Retina Service at the Wills Eye Hospital. And uh, we're here to discuss his presentation from Angiogenesis 2021, uh, an update on the port delivery system by Genentech. So Carl, welcome. And Thank you, Carmen. Why don't you, why don't you tell us what, what the big news is about PDS? So the big news here is this is the first time to podium we were presenting uh, longer follow-up. That is, it's it's actually now about 18 months worth of follow-up. Um, all the previous presentations um, earlier this year was the primary endpoint, of course, which was the uh, mean BCBA from baseline average between weeks 36 and 40. Um, that was the primary endpoint of the study. Uh, as you know, it met all its... its um, it met its endpoint both in terms of non-inferiority and equivalency with regards to vision compared to monthly ranibizumab. And, you know, in short, it's basically holding very well, just like it did consistent with the primary analysis out for almost double the time frame, about 18 months. So can you just tell us a little bit about the study design and uh, how the primary and secondary endpoints were crafted? Yeah, absolutely. Um, so what made this study different than the phase two program, of course, is we we're dealing with one dose. It was actually the high concentration of ranibizumab filling this device, the port delivery system. Uh, and that dose was determined in phase two, the latter study. And um, the latter study was almost a sort of as needed time to first refill mm -hmm. here, um, like with pivotal studies for wet AMD from the get go it has to be a vision endpoint. And the decision was made to use a fixed refill exchange. Um, so that's why in the study, um, the PDS arm had mandatory refill exchanges uh, every 24 weeks. So six months, um, and that carried through. It's a two-year study with the one-year endpoint just under a year. Uh, I should say the primary endpoint just under a year at weeks 36, 40. So when you look at the data, you're gonna see how it rolls out the data going through cycles of refills. Um, and that's why now with 18 months, uh, we have 80% of patients that have been through three refill exchanges. And of course, the timing of six months was based on the latter study, knowing that well over 80, 80 plus percent of patients can go six months without needing any form of supplement or any other uh, treatment, just, just alone the PDS to, to control the signs of exudation. The... Uh... Can you, can you tell us a little bit about the entry criteria, how, how patients were initially randomized? Sure. Um, very similar to the latter trial, of uh, similar design. In essence, we're taking patients that were recently diagnosed with wet AMD, um, and they go through their typical induction phase of two, three, four treatments. That's how latter was designed. And so we're really introducing sustained delivery in the maintenance phase. Um, and that's kind of how we would probably do it in practice too. So it, I think it was a nice reflection of what clinical practice is likely to be with such a device. The only slight difference was in Archway, similar to Ladder, it was wet AMD diagnosed within nine month timeframe. So recently diagnosed, and it was a minimum of three injections over a six month timeframe. Um, and if you look at the baseline characteristics, you can see exactly how that played out. It was a mean number of five treatments in mean time uh, of diagnosis to baseline was five months. Also the vision criteria for entry takes into consideration that 
you know, vision has already improved probably to its near maximal degree for most of these patients after having undergone three, four, five treatments. Um, and so the visual acuity entry criteria was 2200 or better. So it could be as good as 2020. So oh, you asked um, about, and you asked about uh, endpoints too. So again, right. a pivotal study, it's going to have to be BCVA and uh, it's going to be compared to gold standard uh, ranibizumab monthly injections. So it's uh, essentially head to head PDS refilled every six months to monthly ranibizumab injections and, um, and looked at mean BCVA change from baseline to um, that 36, 40 week endpoint. Of course, all the usual secondary endpoints, um, and that includes uh, OCT, central point thickness change from baseline. Um, and uh, also an important endpoint was any supplemental treatments. You were allowed in the PDS arm to get um, a supplemental intravitreal injection of ranibizumab one to two months before each refill exchange cycle if certain criteria were met. Um, so a certain degree of recurrent exudation or drop in vision uh, would trigger a supplement. So we looked at the number of supplemental treatments at each refill exchange interval. So adverse events, what's our latest information about that? Well, I can tell you from the way the device performed, it was really exemplary. I, I mean, I think everyone is very impressed with how the, how the device controls exudation and maintains vision. Um, so efficacy-wise, it was on par, essentially identical to monthly ranibizumab injections. Um, both, both arms were 2032 at baseline, entry into the study, 2032 at week 40, the primary endpoint, and 2032 even out through about 18 months, which is about 80% of the patients uh, through that time frame. And that's three refill exchange cycles. Um, and OCT looked remarkable. I mean, it was almost superimposed lines the entire 18 months. So we know the device uh, produces enough um, anti-VEGF, which of course is ranibizumab here, um, and produces enough to control the signs of exudation as good as injecting monthly. You asked about safety now, because this is a surgery, it's a device, and it's safety profiles, we expect it to look different. Uh, of course, we've enjoyed an excellent safety profile from ranibizumab and other anti-VEGFs we've been injecting, and an intravitreal injection, of course, is very well tolerated. Um, the, the one obvious complication we want to track is endophthalmitis, because that rate, of course, per injection is very low with the intravitreal injections, but um, it's going to look differently uh, with a device, surgery, and refills. So we looked at the safety profile in, initially in two different ways, ones that will look like perioperative issues and ones beyond 30 days that were probably later onset type. Um, and the good news is the safety profile out through 18 months is looking very, very similar to the primary endpoint analysis for safety. And so what are those safety issues? Well, what we saw at 18 months is uh, numerically, there was a slight imbalance in cataract, a little more cataract. Uh, and most of that was just some progression of pre-existing cataract in the PDS arm compared to monthly injections. So we don't know if that means it promotes cataract, but right now there's a slight imbalance that we'll have to be tracking. The good news is there were no signs of traumatic cataract 
Um, and so even if the device potentially is a little wobbly or not exactly uh, tightly into the sclera, uh, we're not seeing uh, any signs of the device bumping up against the lens. The Probably one of the biggest concerns is the integrity of the conjunctiva over the device, um, because both in phase two and in phase three, we saw events of conjunctival erosion and retraction, and that is a setup for endophthalmitis. And some of those cases occurred early, some of them occurred later. Um, the good news is uh, the analysis that I presented in angiogenesis after week 40, so the, another 38 to 40 weeks, um, we only saw one additional case of conjunctival erosion. So most of those events seem to occur within the first year. Um, and so the safety profile overall for conjunctival um, events of interest, as they're called, um, we're, we're actually looking better over time. Mm -hmm. uh, the rates overall did not go up. Endophthalmitis rate also stayed the same. Interestingly, there were four cases of endophthalmitis by the primary analysis at week 40. It was one additional case of endophthalmitis, but it was in the same patient. And it was later found that these are both culture negative and the patient had an underlying inflammatory condition and even had episodes of inflammation in the fellow eye. So the device was removed and um, uh, overall the rate of endophthalmitis per patient is what we're looking at here remains 1.6%. So it didn't really go up over time. And we even saw one case of endophthalmitis in the monthly intravitreal injection arm. So the rate of endophthalmitis actually is so far through 18 months, 1.6% in PDS and 0.6% in the intravitreal injection arm. Again, that's patient endophthalmitis, not per injection, because uh, patients in the monthly arm have already had on average nearly 20 injections. Um, retinal detachment, very rare, didn't see any new cases. Vitreous hemorrhage also turning into a relatively rare type of, um, type of side effect or complication. And again, no surgery was necessary uh, for vitreous hemorrhage uh, in archway thus far. The one new uh, safety issue that came up in this additional longer analysis where there were two, originally there was one case of implant dislocation and we saw two more pop up with longer follow-up. That's an issue because that requires surgery to fix. And the patients that had the dislocation events actually did well, uh, recovered without sequelae. But um, it is an issue and it was, it was mainly during the refill exchange procedure. So of course, that's the reason why we didn't see it till later um, as patients went through one, two, or even three cycles of refill exchanges. And an analysis was conducted when these cases first came about and to search for reasons or risk factors why an implant would dislocate predominantly into the eye. And um, it was found that the, we, we video every surgery and it was found that the incisions were longer than specified. Um, the surgical procedure mandates a 3.5 full thickness scleral cut down, but the original protocol allowed for another 0.1 or 0.2 millimeters. Um, but there were cases in fact um, of all the implant dislocations, most of them were actually longer than 3.7. So there was a surgical amendment put in place as of June after these implant dislocation events started to occur that mandated an exact 3.5 millimeter incision. And I really do think that's gonna to help to mitigate uh, future implant dislocation issues. Well, this sounds like it's gonna be a, a very exciting and important addition to the armamentarium. 
How do you think this is going to be used in real life practice? How are you going to select patients yeah. that are best for this? And how do you think the we use a the the I start with every six months and try to make it a little a little bit longer if possible? Yeah, I think two things. One, the type of patient. Uh, it's, it's obvious that it's the patient that's already started to get some injections and maybe you've tried to extend them and you can't extend them much and they're gonna be much more motivated uh, after getting six or 12 months of treatment if they're not being able to be extended uh, in the course of practice beyond four, six, eight weeks or so. Um, and that's what it was like in recruiting for these patients. Um, patients were like, yeah, sign me up if, if I have to get injections that frequently every four, six, eight weeks. Uh, obviously, our patients that we do a treat and extend and we are able to extend them successfully out um, 10, 12 weeks or so are going to be much less inclined to want to do this, as are the physicians. In fact, we're running a survey right now at, at Will's Eye, at, um, a research project one of our fellows is running, where we're, we're doing a survey with both patients getting injections and physicians, retina specialists giving injections. And we're seeing exactly what you would expect. Um, uh, so far, the results are indicating that you're much more likely a doctor to offer the PDS and the patient's much more likely to want uh, to get the device if they're getting injections frequently. Again, four, six, even up to eight weeks. So those are the types of patients that are probably most inclined to want to get the device and have the surgery. Um, and, you know, I think the way we use it, like, like, all trials to date, <laughs> we've never really used any of these therapeutics, these drugs, like the pivotal studies, of course, right? So um, I think we're highly likely to individualize the therapy here too. Um, I'm gonna strongly predict we don't refill these devices every six months on the clock. Um, we might, but um, and there may be some patients where that's most suitable. But based on the latter study results, where the majority of patients went over a year without needing a refill, um, I would say for the patient, they'd probably want to uh, put it to the test and see how long they go. Uh, and the patients might even fall into a set pattern. Um, I recall some patients in ladder, they got, I got one patient that was getting refilled every nine months, right? It was very predictable. And another patient that hadn't had a, hadn't had a refill in well over a year. So I think some of these patients are going to go out long. Um, and, um, if I don't have to refill them, I won't refill them. What's the volume of the implant? It's 20 microliters. Mm -hmm. So this concentration is 10x what we're injecting intravitreal, intravitreally, but it's 20 microliters. Right. And you know, so the kinetics look great, by the way. You, you probably have seen um, the serum profiles of, of drug being released. We're getting detectable drug for 18 months based on ladder, and we're getting trough levels at the refill exchanges, uh, this was just recently presented, that are well above the trough of a monthly intervitual injection. Yeah, that's impressive. Yeah. So the Genentech Roche is looking at this for diabetic retinopathy and diabetic macular edema. Can you that's give right. us a little preview about what, what's happening in those two realms? Yeah, and these are, these are pivotal phase three studies. So they jumped right into DR, DME, uh, with the device, uh, having the safety information from the wet AMD ladder phase two study. And um, those are well underway recruiting patients. Um, and um, I think it is a, a condition, uh, especially the DME uh, or higher levels of DR uh, suitable for such sustained release. Um, 
I, can, I can't think of a, a downside to giving continuous long-term anti-VEGF in a, in, a, in a diabetic retinopathy eye. Um, you know, most of them will need a lot of injections, uh, those that with DME that is, and even those that you wanna just improve levels of DR from very severe, for example, NPDR to, to lesser degrees, um, you're gonna need a lot of injections over at least several years. So I think the device is, is reasonable for those patients. Mm -hmm. Well, Carl, thanks so much for participating in uh, the retinal synthesis uh, insight into the angiogenesis 2021. And uh, we'll stay tuned for more information. Thank you. Thank you. Thanks for having me.